0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
1: Hey, welcome to Good Morning Football. We're live here in New York City. It's Wednesday, January 4th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. It's Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, Jason McCourty. Guys, we're going to talk a lot about Damar Hamlin today. Yep. We're going to talk some football. But all of us together, we are still waiting for word on the status of DeMar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's the Bills' safety who suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed on the field on Monday night after taking a hit in the game. There's been an outpouring of love and support from not just around the NFL world, around the world. Fans gathered last night outside of the University of Cincinnati Medical Center to hold a vigil and a moment of silence as a show of support. We are joined now by Cameron Wolfe from Cincinnati and Mike Giardi, who is in Orchard Park with the Bills, of course. But we're going to start in Cincinnati with Cameron Wolfkamp. What can you tell us about where things stand this morning as it pertains to DeMar Hamlin?
2: Yeah, Jamie, it's been nearly 36 hours since DeMar Hamlin was transported to this level, tra- level one trauma center, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center behind me. And last night, I got a chance to speak with his uncle, Dorian Glenn, who told me one of the only updates we've received throughout the process and that right now, DeMar is on a ventilator. But there has been some positive improvement in the fact that off-camera he mentioned he's improved to 50% oxygen level needed on a ventilator after originally being at 100%. And he said, Look, he's not out of the woods completely yet, but we are happy with how the medical process has gone so far. And right now, we're just hopeful that he gets out of the ICU. And he really just discussed just how much support they've received throughout the entire process. He said, Look, I would feel a lot better when he's fully out of the ICU, he said he's still sedated at this point, but right now we're just super hopeful. And so as we are out here for day three of coverage and trying to see how DeMar progresses, right now we're just hoping that he continues to work on breathing on his own. That's the main thing there, and working on improving the quality of his lungs. And so, One thing I noticed talking to his uncle was just the gratitude that he had throughout a difficult situation with his family. He mentioned that he's in Pittsburgh watching the game. He traveled down as soon as the game was postponed and came with two cars of people filled to come and join DeMar's parents here. And one thing he wanted to share with people outside of this building is, look, we have heard and felt and got all the generosity and we hope it keeps coming and we are very much appreciative of it. It's tremendous to see all the love and support that my nephew has out here. And um, like I had told the guy earlier, a a lot of people don't get a chance to see how loved they are while they're alive. So for him to have a situation where he could have been taken away and he has a chance to come back and see all that love that he got. is truly an amazing thing and I can't wait for him to see all the love and support that people have had for him, not just around the area, but around the country and the world. been a, it's been amazing just hearing his story, DeMar's uncle share his story and how he has felt was just so powerful because, as I mentioned, we have not received many updates at all. And he promised that he would try to keep us updated throughout the process, but he has said that the family there, his parents, have received overwhelming support from the Cincinnati people here. He said he hasn't had to buy food at all because of the support here from people around here. And he said that it's been brought into them. He said that he's just been overwhelmed. And he said that he, with the GoFundMe page that has reached over million, he said DeMar's face is going to completely light up when he sees the overwhelming support everyone has given him throughout this process.
3: Cam, thank you. Incredible work. You've been on the the boots on the ground uh, now for 36 hours, as you said, and we appreciate it. Um, We'll get right back to you in a bit, but let's go over to Buffalo, New York, where another reporter, Mike Giardi, is there on the ground as well. Mike, what's the latest going on with the Bills organization as they await word on DeMar Hamlin in western New
4: York? Well, as you can imagine, Peter, a difficult day for everybody. And in talking to people inside the building, it was not just day to day, not just hour to hour, but minute to minute. And that related to DeMar and his condition, which is the most important thing to everyone here, but also awaiting word from the league about how you're going to proceed going forward with a football game. And we saw the statement from the league that as of right now, they're not going to resume the Bills-Bengals game this week. That's the way they phrased it. And that we're sort of on to week 18. The Patriots are supposed to come here to play a one o'clock game on Sunday. The Patriots are fighting for a playoff spot. The Bills are fighting for playoff seating. And as you well know, on Tuesday, that's game planning day for a Sunday game. And here are the coaches, again, so concerned about DeMar and his health and also the status of their players. And I brought up uh, yesterday quite a bit. They made mental health Professionals available to the entire staff, to all the players, because they saw something that, quite frankly, it's going to be hard to unsee. And so they're trying to make sure they're in the right place. But the coaches are trying to figure out how to game plan for the Patriots and how to get their players in the right frame of mind if, in fact, they have to play a game, which, again, as of right now, they do. So it, it, I think of a very difficult day. I think a lot of mixed emotions about it. But again, having to soldier through doing their job, which I'm sure at this point they'd rather just worry about tomorrow.
1: Absolutely. Mike, Cameron, we appreciate you so much. We will continue this conversation as I'm sure you will both unearth more from your respective locations in Cincinnati and Buffalo. We appreciate you both being there. All right, so it's another day to process this really challenging situation. Mm. This feels very old school, waiting for information. Mm. We live in a world where we demand it quick. We want information. We want good news now, and that has never been more present or apparent than this situation that we're all feeling with Damar Hamlin. How are you doing, Kyle? After a hard day yesterday, a couple hours of TV, we talked about it, and now we're back again today. We still don't know much about this young man.
5: Well, that's it. I think we were in football shock. We couldn't believe what we just saw. We couldn't believe this would happen to one of our players here, and now it's just sort of numb. And I think it's eerie and it's unsettling that there's so little information and so little coming from the Bills. And it's great work by Mike because the Bills have really closed ranks. You guys know every Tuesday this this year, I talk to Josh Allen. We have a long conversation. That did not happen yesterday. It will not happen this week. Josh is very emotional. Like they all are. They're very very upset about this. And yet, I think they play the Patriots in four days at home. I think they do in a like a, a highly pivotal game in the wake of this. And so now, people like us who even are in the Industry, We're in this place where we're like, well, you know, a friend of a friend of mine is a doctor and he thinks, or you're on a text thread where your buddy's wife is a doctor and she says, and maybe that's true, and then we're asking these questions that, the fact that we haven't heard a lot, is that bad? Is that good? Like we're, It's just guessing. And we're waiting for that press conference where the doctor in the lab coat comes down and talks about Mr. Hamlin's condition. And we, we would love to have that, and we don't, so it's a little bit agonizing. And we're just sitting here hoping and waiting, and now it's kind of sunk in, and it feels different than it did yesterday.
6: Yeah, without a doubt. Yesterday, we leave this show, and for me, it was a lot of conversations, obviously at home with my wife, but then throughout the NFL, different people, and one conversation really struck me my high school football coach called me Mm. said he watched the show and everything yesterday and one thing he said to me said when you get into coaching and when you sign up to do that you realize the main goal is about bringing people together and it doesn't matter what walk of life they're in what color their skin they have but it's about bringing people together unifying them to work towards one common goal and when i kind of reviewed and looked back on monday night we saw that we saw in the wake of adversity we saw two teams come together we saw players embracing one another we saw medical staff trainers people that you go to work with every single day snap right into action and hearing from some buffalo players some cincinnati Bengals players that was one thing that stood out to them was the admirable work that everybody did right there in the moment how well prepared they were how organized they were the direction sending players here telling guys to do this and that and that gave me a better feeling of just knowing, hey, We're in great hands as players uh, out there on the field, knowing that everybody has your best interest in mind and are working fast and quickly to find out the best possible care for each and every person on that field. So for me, leaving the show yesterday, having Mm -hmm. conversations and just hearing from people, seeing where they're at, that made me feel a little bit better. But sports, the common denominator of bringing people together, even us sitting here at the table. I don't know if I meet the three of you, if not for sports, to sit here and have this conversation with people listening and hoping to to come in this morning and hear about our thoughts on that, but also being able to discuss football and bring in some light. Mm-hmm. So sports is such a powerful vehicle that I think motivates and moves us all in different ways at mm-hmm. different times. Yeah, it's beautifully
3: said. You know, day one is the shock and the reaction. Day two, it's okay, and that's often life. Like mm-hmm. when you get terrible news, it's everyone's there in day one. Mm-hmm. Day two, we're still dealing with this, and are you still with us? And, and that's the thing, it's... We're still with DeMar Hamlin, I think, and I think we're starting our show and there might be some people at home saying, all right, hey, the the Eagles have a pretty big game this weekend. Can we move along? We'll get Mm. there. We will get there. And today Mm. we're going to talk about it. But I think it's only appropriate to continue talking about DeMar Hamlin. I I got a memo forwarded to me from an executive from another team that was sent out to the staff, not the players, the staff. And the letter to that staff from an executive in that building said this, hey, these players, whether they were a part of this, it's such a small world that someone knows someone who knows someone. But at the very least, seeing it, they put themselves in those shoes. Go up, hug one of the players today Mm. in the building, tell them you appreciate them, tell them you love them, and tell them that you're there for them. I think that was very powerful. It wasn't with a team that was in Cincinnati or Buffalo, and it wasn't sent to all the players. It was amongst everyone around the players. Be there for each other and be open and be vulnerable. I don't know if we're handling this the same way 10 years ago, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago in the NFL. But yesterday, Jamie, you said a beautiful thing about mental health. I don't think it's just the Bills or Bengals. I think a lot of players were shook Mm -hmm. based on seeing what happened on Monday night. And they still might be shook. And yet, they've got to compartmentalize and think about playing football on Sunday. If you see a player, if you know a player, reach out to them. It doesn't have to be someone from Buffalo or Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And just tell them you appreciate what they're doing. There are 1,500 men who are going to take the Mm -hmm. field on Sunday. And that is some of the most admirable stuff that they can do, knowing what they just saw on Monday night.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to review. You take a long time to get to everybody. But how many layers of people this one situation affected I think if you're a first responder and you were some of the first people to get to DeMar Hamlin, you're reeling from that. You're reeling from seeing that young man in that situation. If you are the players watching your teammate or a person that you know in the NFL receiving CPR, which if anyone has ever seen that done, it is a very physical act to revive someone's heartbeat. If you are a coach on that sideline and you are one person in charge of 53 men who have to corral them emotionally yesterday, today, Next month, that's a challenge. If you are a fan who looks up to these young men and who look up to these gentlemen in this profession, this is very jarring. There's so many angles to this. And Scott Pioli was on with us yesterday, who is our executive that we use. He's our touchstone for how management goes about this. And I thought he really struck the right chord, which is everybody handles this differently. So to Peter's point, go up and hug a player. Go up and talk to somebody. Or if someone wants to talk to you about it, just sit there and listen and hold space for them. I think I'm hoping that that's what we are creating here over the last 48 hours and the next 48 hours, Mm -hmm. which is people might want to just listen to this be talked about. And we're going to do that for you. We're going to give you that news. But people also may want to listen to us talk a little bit about football too. And we're going to accomplish that as well today. And it's going to be hard and it's... We're going to get there and we might stumble over our words or you might be frustrated with us. But people need different things right now. And we're going to try to answer everyone's call over the next couple of hours. But we can assure you that when news is there, we have Mike Giardi and we have Cameron Wolf, and we have ourselves at this table and the network that will support that news to get you the latest on DeMar Hamlin for the rest of the day. So that's just the proclamation we wanted to put out there for this show. that we will get that for you. We'll wait along with any other news, of course, regarding his health. It's going to be a hard morning, but we'll take you there, all right? Hang with us and Good Morning Football. We'll be right back.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
1: As of now, Week 18 games will go on as planned. Here's a look at the current NFC playoff picture. There's still a lot of wiggle room that could be had in the final week of the regular season. Peter, what does that wiggle room look like?
3: Yeah, let's focus on that last column right there. That column says lurking. We named it lurking. Right now it is win and in if you're the Green Bay Packers, that bottom team. The Packers have a situation this weekend that if they just take care of their business, they're in the playoffs. Now, if the Packers do not win, well, that gets a little interesting because the Seahawks play earlier in the day. They are currently the team that's in. They would be in the playoffs if they beat the Rams and the Packers lose to the Lions. Now, if the Seahawks lose Mm -hmm. to the Rams... Then it's winner takes all and gets that seven seed between the Lions and the Packers. That's what you need to know as you head into this Sunday night finale between the Packers and the Lions. Packers are winning in. Lions need a little help from the Rams to get in and make it that winning in situation for them. All
1: right, let's hang in the win and in column, shall we? A huge divisional game taking place on Sunday. Peter mentioned it. It's in Green Bay. Packers have been steamrolling the last couple of weeks. What are you watching in this game between the Lions and the Packers, Kyle?
5: I'm watching Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see if he can complete this masterpiece. And I do think it's a masterpiece. If they do this and they get in the playoffs, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, I want footage from this year. Yeah. We're going to see the Hail Marys. We're going to see all the MVP season. That's all great. I want to see the 2022 season because 2016 was when he ran the table and uh, Jordy and Cobby and Devante, like, those were, he had his bros with him and they got hot and they had Jared Cook at tight end. This was a different deal. And if he finishes this thing from a 3-6 and six team and a 4-8 and eight team to the playoffs, I, and listen, I get off these days, too. I like Zen ninja Monk, Rajiwan Kenobi, like, I think it's amazing. It's not for everybody. When he starts talking about, you know, I believe in the power of manifestation, and like, it doesn't matter if I do or you do, he does. And I think it's (laughs) real for him. And I think it works. And I think, look, look no further than last week's Vikings. You show up to Lambeau this time of year sometimes, and he's just like, hello there. And there, <laughs> there's Rodgers. And, like, Rodgers and LaFleur in December and January, regular season are 18-1. and 1. Mm. And sure enough, Rodgers this week just doing that thing where he's got that twinkle in his eyes, He's like, you know, these the dome teams uh, in, in December and January, when they come to Lambeau, it doesn't go well. That's like that's a quote. And sure enough, here comes another one, and here comes the Lions right out of the dome, as physical as they may be, out of the dome into Lambeau. And I think Rodgers has the high ground, and I want to see him complete this masterpiece.
3: Feel uh, fourth wall here. It feels good you talking
5: football. You know, is like
3: it? This is, we have to transition, and this game's going to yeah. be on Sunday, so we're going to do both. We're going to talk
1: Hammond, but we're Peter, gonna I'm
5: talking talk Rogers and making a dumbass Star Wars reference. Do You and like it? it. If you I'm like good, it? Thank and we you.
1: Rajiwan Kenobi? Is that what right,
5: heard? Zen Ninja Monk, Rajiwan Kenobi. I love, good. Good. Monk, one Kenobi. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear
4: you I didn't talk. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I'm
5: going to talk a little ball, and I'm going to put yourselves in someone's shoes.
3: Picture yourself being Jared Goff right now. You need one thing to happen for Sunday night to win. (laughs) You need those Los Angeles Rams to do you a favor. (laughs) Hey, you know what? You traded me to Detroit. You, you shit me out with, with with all those draft picks. Stafford goes on and wins the Super Bowl. Do me a solid, hey Rams. Mm-hmm. Can you guys beat the Seahawks and make this something that I can go and win and in and make my own legacy? I find the the Rams-Goff symmetry and all this yeah. fascinating. That's mm-hmm. great. Goff needs the Rams this weekend to win. If the Rams win and beat the Seahawks, which they're going to be playing their starters, they have no incentive not to. Draft picks don't matter for the Rams; they have none. <laughs> they need the Rams to beat the Seahawks. If the Rams beat the Seahawks, Jared Goff can go into Lambo and beat the Packers to take the Detroit Lions, who are one and six, to the playoffs yeah, this year. Yeah, that's pretty good too. It's an amazing story. <laughs> McVeigh and Goff actually have come to a place right now, knowing both of them, that they're in a good spot. Good. You know, it wasn't always that way. Yeah. And certainly on the way out, it didn't end the way that, that Goff would have written it to. Hey, Sean McVeigh, do your guy Goff one big favor. Get your guys ready to go. Uh-huh. Go beat the Seahawks, uh-huh. and then Jared Goff, you take care of business, and you be the hero this season. Yeah,
6: I think as a fan and a viewer, we want the Rams to beat the Seahawks, so we're watching this game Sunday night, and it's winner takes all. And yeah. So the,
5: about, if the Rams win. Yes. At 4:30, the, the
6: lines are out. Yeah. Like they are. No. If,
5: if the Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks win, win, the Lions have nothing to play yeah, for, except yeah.
3: Yeah. spoiling Rodgers' yes. right. playoff
5: berth. Right.
6: But, then but it's time. all get your yeah. popcorn ready when they're both winning. Like you just want to enjoy that. And you talked about you're watching for Rodgers, and for me. Rodgers has been good. He's steadied the ship, but it's not the 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. Okay. And a lot of that is because everybody else on the Packers are stepping up as well. And when you look at the film of that game this past week, my goodness, this Packers defense was playing some yeah, football. And it wasn't just about the stats. It was about the attitude and the energy that they were playing with. We saw Jair Alexander. We heard from him throughout the week talking about Jefferson. We saw him out there doing the gritty. We saw him jamming, getting in Jefferson's face. Stuff on the sideline transpiring. They got after Kirk Cousins. Four men rush, not blitzing, not doing exotic things, lining up in coverage and just attacking, attacking. And you look at them, nine interceptions during their four-game win streak less 20 or less points during this win streak and nine sacks in the last three games this is the packers defense we were talking about mm-hmm. throughout training camp and how they needed to go out there and dominate playing def- defense and running the ball on offense and we're getting that throughout mm. this win streak so for me sunday night i'm watching this packers defense can they pull it over to the next week and play with that same energy yeah. that same passion and attack jared goff and his lines offense
1: it's been fun to watch that defense over the last couple of weeks I think self-awareness is, like, a really great quality for people to have. Like, I'm self-aware that I reference Michigan guys a lot, married into a Michigan family. They're just kind of, like, always hang a cloud over Michigan had a rough weekend last weekend in the college football playoff, but they have a redeeming king that still plays for the Lions, and that is one Aiden Hutchinson, Mm -hmm. who it also feels good to be right sometimes. And a couple months ago, I was like, maybe this guy could be Defensive Rookie of the Year. Well, he could lock it up this weekend. The Lions win when this guy plays great. When Aiden Hutchinson records a half a sack this season, Lions are five and one. Mm. Five and one. It's a pretty good clip compared to the last couple defensive rookies of the year. Micah Parsons, who is an anomaly. Okay, thirteen sacks, three forced fumbles. But Chase Young, seven and a half sacks. That's what Aiden Hutchinson already has this year. Nick Bosa, nine sacks. Aiden Hutchinson, seven and a half sacks this year. He got He's got to go into Lambeau got to make a name for himself. He's done it at home. We see the footage of him in the dome sliding around the turf Mm -hmm. with the Billy Jean, with the Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, dancing mm -hmm. and the what's up, what's up, what's Mm -hmm. up, and the the Mm -hmm. singular eye, eye black. You could go to Green Bay and I don't know, maybe do a Lambo leap. Mm-hmm. Maybe do something that really excites people, makes Scream Bay mad, and excites Lions fans and get after that quarterback who's a little bit too zen if you're Aiden Hutchinson. That's
5: true. This is feels like his Rose Bowl. You know, yes. like go out, get the <laughs> Lions into the playoffs, yep. get the defensive player. If he Lambo leaps in Lambo, he will uh, go. Uh, if, he, like,
6: if he like a safety, like yeah. he maybe Raj do a fake out like a an <laughs> Anthony Fasano. Did yeah. Yeah. Yes. A
1: fake out. Oh, I like the that's jersey,
6: that's jersey that's guy. Fasano, I love that.
1: Exactly. Okay. Looking at the NFC playoff picture, we just picked apart. Lions, Packers, and the importance in the lurking column and how it pertains to the wild card spots, let's jump back over to the left side of the screen. Eagles playing the Giants. Now, the Giants are in. They're locked into that sixth seed, but there is still some room for movement at the top spot if you are the Philadelphia Eagles, which is crazy to consider considering the season that they have had. The Eagles, though, have lost two straight games. They have not played with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback mm. over the last couple of weeks. They need a win on Sunday to clinch the one seed and that coveted first-round bye. What are we watching for in this Giants-Eagles matchup in Week 18, Jack?
6: Eagles, let's go. Like, <laughs> it's time. Wait, yeah, you're good
1: Eagles, let's ride. Yeah, I
6: don't know. I don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But for the Eagles, this you've played well all season long for this game, an opportunity to go out there Sunday and secure the number one spot. They've been the elite of the elite the entire NFL season, and let's finish it strong and go in, and offensively, let's figure out a way to win this game. Look at this past week. Defensively, they only gave up 13 points. That's winning football in the NFL. I don't care who's out there. A.J. Brown, Sanders, Devontae Smith, like, these guys have played well. Smith over 100 yards last last week. A.J. Brown, 90-something yards. carrying a ball on the ground. Let's go out there and find a way to put points on the board. Let's run the ball as much as possible. We don't know. Is it going to be Gardner Minshew? Yeah. Is it going to be Jalen Hurts? But Eagles as a team step up and find a way to win this ball game. Don't want to have this let down the last week of the season. Can you imagine? Oh, I don't want no. to. Can imagine
5: if the Eagles lose to the pseudo-giants and the Cowboys win and they blow this thing? Mm. <laughs> Mama, I'm nervous. I'm scared. And he, 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 look, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is playing. Sirianni's not saying. Day to day, not sure, not right. Did you feel good about Gardner last week? No. We love Gardner Minshew. That was not good. That that could get you the loss. That could get lose the bye, lose the one, and not only lose it, hand it to those guys with the star. I mean, this would be an all-timer. To lose the three games, to blow the number one seed that you were coasting to? You have to win this game. Jalen, can you hear us? Please help us. Peter, they need Jalen out there. I'm scared.
3: 2009, the Saints started off 13-0, and they lost the last three regular season games. Everyone's like, off the Saints. Like, I'm out on the Saints. And then they were able to recapture it in the playoffs because they had that seed. They had those home games. like, It's huge. The Eagles do not want to lose the number one seed. Forget having to go on the road. What about psychologically? Like, we just gave that away, and now we need to find a way to muster it all up. We've been talking about DeMar Hamlin a lot today. Just to show you how the NFL is such a small world and such a network, like the Giants, Joe Shane, the GM, was with the front office of the Bills that Mm -hmm. drafted DeMar Hamlin. Brian Dable, Mm -hmm. the head coach of the Giants, was on the coaching staff last year with DeMar Hamlin. John Feliciano, Davis Webb, Antonio Williams, Isaiah Hodgins, Matt Breida. These guys were all Bills last year with DeMar Hamlin. I think the Giants are a fascinating study. And when you talk about how mental health matters and conversations and Mm -hmm, all these things, mm -hmm. there is a lot of Bill's blood in that Giants building this Mm -hmm. week. So our prayers go out to that organization as well and to have those open conversations. And we know there's football to be played, but there's also more conversations that are going to be had. And all those players, I know the Giants coaches are telling them, we're here for you as well. Mm -hmm. That's my take on the Giants. Well said,
1: Peter. That was awesome. Thanks for connecting the dots there. We're going to get you word on Tamar Hamlin's health when we know it when we return on Good Morning Football
0: Welcome
5: back in the middle of a very unique week for the NFL and a massive week for this gentleman's team. We are thrilled to welcome the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson, good morning football. Doug, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you for having me on today. Thrilled to have you. Uh, so much to talk about. Incredible things going on with the Jaguars. And as I mentioned, very unique things going on here in the league. Doug, you've been through everything as a player, as a coach. Monday night. What was your experience watching when you saw what happened to Demar Hamlin uh, in the Bills-Bengals game?
7: Yeah, you know, I was um, obviously in my office and we were preparing for the for the game Saturday night against the Titans and had the had the Monday night game on, you know, on my TV and as I was watching it and I thought initially it was just a routine, just a routine play and, and you see, you know, you unfortunately you see guys go down from time to time and and then you just saw the reaction, you saw the reaction of players, you saw the the attention of the sideline and and how people responded was was different. You know, I've, I've been around this game a long, long time and obviously been around the NFL for for 30 plus years. And, and uh, I've never seen a situation like this. And just again, to see the reaction of the players and the coaches, you knew something more uh, was going on. And for me, everything just stopped. And I was just focused on the TV and trying to get as much information from Troy and Joe and some of the guys on uh, on the network that night. But, you know, as we found out, you know, uh, it, it escalated rather quickly and everything kind of went away. And, and life became the most important thing at that time.
1: Coach, the coaching community is a tight-knit one. And like you said, the response and the reaction from gentlemen during this event was remarkable. Your eyes must have been drawn to Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, though, what they went through on Monday night. How impressed were you with how they handled that situation and imagining what they possibly could be dealing with and the words that they may have used with their team?
7: You know, obviously as, as coaches and, and really as players, there's nothing that prepares you for, for things like this. And for me at the time, thinking of those two gentlemen, you know, uh, the coaching hat went completely away and it was about kind of becoming a father and, and becoming possibly even a spiritual leader at the time. And just the way they handled this situation the way they were able to communicate and you know and just like you said the the NFL community is a tight-knit community and coaches obviously are are know each other and and very tight group and and to see these two gentlemen come together see the two teams come together as they did and kind of embrace each other and and really thinking about DeMar and his family and making sure that the players had everything they needed you know the the, there were going to be a lot of questions that came out of this and I thought both gentlemen handled it extremely well very professional obviously and um, your coaching hat goes off and and your father hat comes on and and you know i've got three sons and football at that point is not that important
3: yeah Uh, doug thanks for joining us first of all we know you have a huge game saturday and this means the world that you would take even five minutes to chat with us How, how do you balance that you go in the locker room you've got the division title on the line on saturday and yet you know there are people hurting and there are questions what kind of conversations have you had and when does the focus really go all in on that game Saturday when, you know, there, there's a division title on the line?
7: You know, that's the, that's the hardest thing, I think, that, um, you know, as a coach, you, you have to prepare for. Obviously, for me, Monday night watching it, coaching went away. And I was thinking about DeMar and his family, and I was thinking about the players on both sides of that, that field with the Bills and the, the Bengals. And then my, my attention quickly turned to our team and how was I going to handle because our guys were coming in you know the next day and we were going to we were going to meet and and, um, you know how was I going to prepare you know our football team and what was I going to say and as you said we're in the middle of playing for the AFC South and it's human nature it's it's the humanity it's the you have to just be real and and humble and and you have to address it and you have to talk about it and you have to players are going to have questions coaches are going to have questions your uh, your organization are going to have questions and 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 listen, I can honestly say I don't have all the answers, but at the same time, I want my players to understand that that, that we're here for them. It's the reason that I love this sport so much is because being a former player, having many, many hits myself and, and knowing what these players go through on a daily basis and a yearly basis, you know, there, there's a lot of questions there. And so for me yesterday, meeting the team for the first time, I met with my you know, player counsel first and, and talked to them about it and, and to see where they were and to get kind of a, a gauge as to the, the headspace of the football team. And, you know, and I was just honest with them. I, I just was, was sharing just from my heart. You know, I, I went through a situation with my brother a year ago. Even though it's different, but but just seeing the the struggle, seeing the the, the mental anguish, so to speak, that the players kind of go through, and you saw it Monday night with both teams. And how could I help our football team? And and so you know, we provide resources through psychologists, through through ministers, through other people even outside of the organization that we can bring into our fold, and and really to help these players speak out. I, I don't. One of the things and the message that I had yesterday too was. I don't want our guys to harbor any kind of feelings. I want them to speak. I want them to be open because situations like this and incidences like this really hit everybody a little bit differently. And and I don't want the guys to keep that in uh, because we are preparing for a football game. And, and it's the hardest thing to transition from life and really things that are that are out of our control to transitioning to a football game and trying to get the focus of the room back on on that. But I thought our guys did a great job of being able to sort of, you know, handle that. There were some questions from players about the incident and and, and more on the medical side of it. But I thought overall the guys handled it extremely well and uh, just a lot of love and and, and sort of the the pouring out of their hearts to, you know, obviously the Hamlin family and and, and to the Bills and to the Bengals, uh, you know, organizations as well.
6: Yeah, Coach, credit to you, a leader of not only 70 or so players, but an entire organization and giving guys and women that safe space to be able to discuss it. And we mentioned that you guys still have a football game coming up on Saturday against the Tennessee Titans, an opportunity to go to the playoffs, and the Jaguars haven't been since 2017. What would it mean to the players, the entire organization, and the people of Duval County for Jacksonville to be able to get this win and be in the postseason?
7: Well, you know, it would, it would, it would mean a lot to this organization, to this team, obviously to myself, you know, first time you know head coach here in Jacksonville. And, you know, I I think about I think about ownership. I think about you know Mr. Khan and, and, and you know his ownership and leadership here with the organization. And yeah, he's only He's only been to the postseason the one time back in 2017, and you know I, I just think of the excitement that it would that would be on his his face and and what he what he provides for us. But you know this this team you know we've battled through a lot this this year. We've we you know we've we've I think we were three and seven at one point, and, and now we're in a position to win the AFC South and, and and put ourselves in a postseason contention. So you know that that's what you want. You want to be one of the teams at the end of the year. Now we understand we're. Uh, we're facing a great, you know, Titans team, well-coached team. Coach Vrabel is uh, one of the best in the league, and he has the guys will be well prepared. But for us, it's just kind of the step in, in the direction that we want to go, and, and we're trying to build a winning culture here that is sustainable, not just not just one one year, one year, one year, but just we want to be able to build this, you know, so every year we're in the conversation and playing meaningful games in the month of December and January
5: three and 14 before he got there started three and seven this year and now one win from a division title and a playoff game that's a hell of a coach a hell of a leader Uh, we love you Doug thank you so much
7: hey thanks guys for having me and uh, go Jags Jags.
6: (laughs) appreciate you coach
7: Thanks, coach
1: coach. that's great that was so helpful to hear I think helpful for a lot of people to hear that Peter I know you're in touch with a lot of coaches throughout the league and it's you made a really good point last hour it's not really just about the bills here it's people that have coached with the Bills and now they're with the Giants or now they're with the Rams and this is just an ever-present thing that is affecting everybody. But how do you think to bring it back to that building, those coaches are going about business or trying to at least?
3: Well, I think it was interesting. We just had Cameron Wolf, who is in Cincinnati and said there was a vigil at 8.55 p.m. last night, and yet you turn the page 12 hours later as we're in this morning show. The Bills are going to start arriving to practice today, and they're going to have to prepare for the New England Patriots. So mm-hmm. while there's a candlelight vigil going oh, on yeah. for their teammate, they've got to focus on, all right, well, Ramondre Stevenson runs the ball pretty darn hard and we've got to find a way to stop him because the Patriots are playing for their playoff lives. Our Show is dealing with it right now. When do you keep this object that's in your head that is so uh, you know daunting in so many ways, and you're fixated on it, and you are just praying, and what? And then how do you turn the page and talk football and think football? Because I've spoken to the Bills coaches over the last 12 hours, and they're also working on a game plan. So. Whereas you've got 98% of your every being thinking about DeMar Hamlin and putting that out in the earth, you also need to find a way to say, okay, well, Jacoby Myers has had two good games in a row, and we're talking about potential home field of the playoffs, and what a gift that would be to DeMar Hamlin to say, hey, we have home field of the playoffs, and we eventually hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, and we did it in the wake of what was going on on that Monday night game. This incredible transition is so difficult, and yet that is why Sean McDermott's one of the best coaches in football. It's why Ken Dorsey is viewed as one of the best offense of minds in football. It's why Leslie Frazier is one of the most respected defensive coaches in football. This trickle-down effect of now we turn to coach not only for leadership and vulnerability mm-hmm. and for how to talk about this from the mental and emotional stage, but gosh, how do I turn the page to be able to go and be a gladiator on Sunday? This, to me, is where real men are defined and where real teams are bonded. The moments of adversity, and Jason, as a former player, I can only imagine the difficulty these guys have not only going through the tunnel on Sunday and going out to prepare to play battle against the New England Patriots, but to even even today, turn the page and say, all right, I need to worry about X's and O's. Here comes Ramond De Stevenson, one of the best running backs mm. in football. How am I supposed to worry about him when my, my brother is out there in Cincinnati and there's a mm. candlelight vigil less than 12 mm. hours ago?
6: Yeah, I, and I don't know the answer to that. And to be quite honest, the players in Buffalo, they don't know the answer to that. A lot of us are sitting here and wondering, They're like, okay, they have a game, 1 o'clock, on Sunday at home, and they're just like, how in the world are they going to be able to block out everything that has transpired for three hours to go out there and execute and play in a football game? And there is no right or wrong way to come up with an answer for that. And the truth of the matter, it's a case-by-case situation with the players there because... There are some guys that may feel like, hey, my entire life has been adversity after adversity. And the one thing that I've been able to do to get away from whatever has that's been bothering me in my life was I can strap on a helmet and I can play football. Hmm. I can walk into a meeting room and I can escape everything on the outside world. I can block the noise. I can lock in with my brothers around me, with the coaches, with the organization. And it's all about football right now. So there are some guys that are in that Buffalo Bills Mm -hmm. locker room, Bengals. 32 locker rooms across the NFL that are like, I want to get back to football because this has consumed me for the past 48 hours, and I want to just have a glimpse of an escape, whether it's for an hour meeting, whether it's for a two-hour walkthrough. I just want a little bit of an escape to get back to normal. And there's some other guys that are possibly be in a locker room within an organization and male or females that are like, I can't do it. Mm. I need to get away. I need to have a safe space where I'm away from it. Mentally, I just need a break. I'm drained. And you have the respect both sides of that coin because you don't know how to handle this adversity and I've heard people talk about what uh, going through different things and you pick your tears up and you walk mm. along the path with them. You don't just leave them in one area. It continues to follow you and you learn how to deal with it and the Buffalo Bills today, tomorrow for the next weeks, months, years they're going to be figuring out how to carry their tears along with them and how to continue to walk and figure out life and mm. figure out football and whatever else comes their way. Mm.
5: They're so close to this guy and they love him so much and we're just getting to know Demar hamlin the person you know he's been the second year but we're kind of on a quest to find all these things about his personality and yesterday we talked about that he had a wing review show that he was doing before on YouTube, and he's got his fashion line. I watched a video this morning that is called The Day in the Draft Life. On DeMar Hamlin's draft day, he had a camera with him all day. <laughs> and I have to tell you, it is so likable and so endearing. And the story is, he has a huge party. He's with his family, he's his friends, there's little kids there, just like you've seen a million times on day two, the second round and the third round, and he just sits there and watches the pick, watches the pick, watches the pick. Oh, I know that guy. There's a safety, there's a safety. And he doesn't get drafted. And at the end, of there's this moment. You know how they do that, like Daniel Jeremiah, or Mel Kuyper's like best available headed to day three. Sure enough, there's his face, and he sees it. He's like, I'm best available. Then he comes back to another party the next day with his family, and then he finally gets the call from the Bills. And it's he's one of these types that's so great when they get the call. It's just yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Like I, I, you're not going to regret this, sir. Like it's, it, it melts your heart. It's unbelievable. I find him incredibly likable. Just getting to know him through his online presence and his personality and it lets you know why the Bills were and are so devastated. It wasn't just a teammate. It was a very special guy who's been through a lot and there's a lot to like about
1: him. He's a magnetic presence about him. When you watch him, there's a video of him going around dancing with the mascot and just mm-hmm. like you really, really want to hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. The word that I keep Coming back to when I listen to Jason talk and Peter talk, and is trust like trust is kind of permeating throughout every level of this. Like we have to trust each other that we're all going to be able to talk about the angle in which makes us feel best and how we move forward in this. Like that's just at this table. We trust the people that are doing the show with us to get us through the next couple hours, the next couple days. Players are trusting their coaches. uh, Thirty-two buildings across the country right now. Fans are trusting their players to work together to get through this really, really challenging situation. DeMar Hamlin's body is trusting the Cincinnati health system right now to get him through something that is the most challenging thing he has ever faced in his 24-year-old life. This is not a sustainable emotional track that we're all on right now, and we have to trust that by the end of this weekend, by the end of this month, that DeMar Hamlin's going to be okay, that we trust that we have gotten each other there to a point where, like I said last hour, this is not sustainable what we're doing. We have to get to Sunday. We have to get to next Sunday. we got to get to mid-February, and the point is that if we trust Enough to do that—that that we're going to be in a better place if we are open it, carrying our tears with our peers, and like mm. that's so amazing what you just said. I really, really love that because this is just a really uncomfortable place to be in right now, and we're getting there. We're relying on football heavily as we do with a lot of this stuff, but. Trust is just kind of the ever-present thing that I, I find is bubbling back up when I think about DeMar in particular because I'm telling you, I looked down at these papers and it's football and it's DeMar mm-hmm. in front of me and, like, you know, there's just a lot of trust that has to lie there in the next couple of hours and days. And We're going to keep you updated throughout the morning because we really, really hope that we have news to give you out of yep. Cincinnati, really good news regarding DeMar Hamlin. We really hope for that. We trust it's coming, but we're going to keep going on football and good morning football here.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.